0: Let me tell you something. You say, hey, all the ladies show up, and all the ladies show up. You know, like any excuse for a girl's night out, you know, leave the kids at home, find a babysitter. Let Let me just start off by saying, listen, I know there's a lot of people in here right now, and if you... For any reason, you're like, there is way too many people in here. We do have an overflow room that is streaming the service in there, so you're more than welcome to go into that overflow room if you are uncomfortable for any reason. Just wanna put that out there, because I know you know, that's the real deal for a lot of people. So how many of you guys, this is your very first She Gathering. Woo, oh my goodness, that is awesome. It's it's not very nice to ask people to raise their hand if they're, it's the first time, so I'm sorry, we don't typically do that, but we're really excited that you guys are here, that you're joining us. If you don't know who I am, my name is Shayla. My husband, thank you. <laughs> my husband tj and i are the pastors here at coastal community church and we're just so glad that you guys are guests in our house we're glad that you guys are here and that we can host you this evening i hope that you guys have an incredible time here at she gathering well tonight so every she gathering they say hey shayla what do you what do you want the theme to be and i'm always like oh gosh this theme just kind of locks me in to all this stuff and i gotta stick to this theme and there's like so much pressure That goes with us, and they like gave me two words to choose from. And I'm like, oh gosh. And so I picked kind of a weird word, and the word is beloved. I know it's kind of like an old school word that's kind of like beloved or beloved, or you know, it's kind of like Bible term, old school days, but I think it's easy for us as women to care for other people, right? to nurture other people, to give to other people, to love to other people, to serve our families, to do all of these things in serving other people. But one of the most difficult things for us to do is actually be loved. To allow people to love us and to serve us and to give some things to us. And so I think sometimes as women, we need to learn to let go and to allow ourselves to be loved, not just by the people around us, but by God, by sometimes by ourself. Because listen, aren't we our own worst critics sometimes where we're just like down and out, and I'm the worst, and you know, we just kind of bury ourselves. And so I picked this theme, the loved. And I, I just want to open up in prayer real quick, just, just to start off this evening, because I truly believe that God has this message. And it's a message that I've wrestled through a lot. And I always know that when I'm wrestling with something, God wants to do something. And so let's just open up in prayer this evening. God, I thank you for all these incredible women that came into this place today. God, I know that you have them here for a very specific purpose. And God, I pray tonight as we begin this evening, Lord, that we would lean into what you want to say. God, that we would put aside everything that's happened this week or this day or even on the way here. God, and we would be open to being loved in this moment by you and by the women around us. So God, we surrender this evening to you and we thank you for what you're gonna do in our life. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. amen. Well, one of, the, one of the things that I love about she gathering is all the different women that come into this place. I mean, we have so many different women here. We have old, and I'm not gonna define what old is because you can get in trouble when you do that. We have young, sometimes I'm in the old category. Man, you get to this place where you're like, you are how old? I graduated high school that year. Like, it is, it's, it's bad. So, well, we have old, we have young. You know, we have Presbyterian, we have Baptists, we have moms, we have business women. We have Democrats, we have Republicans, we have Libertarians, we have Vegetarians, like you name it, we have everybody that comes in to this room and I love that because there's so many of us that are different yet we can come together and unite over something. But while we're so different in in so many things, I think there are actually a few things that we have in common and I think those things are the things that actually bring us together in life. And I think that one of those things that if we were all to admit this, one of those things would be that we all struggle with some level of insecurity. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you're probably insecure. You're like, ah, I don't know, so, you know. But here's the deal. We All struggle with it. I don't know how, I don't care how confident you are of a person. There is some area of our life that we struggle, that we question, that we're insecure in our life. And it's something that we can look around this room and and, and we can go, you know what? She's insecure. Because you're right. We all are. I struggle with insecurity in my own life. And so here's a couple of insecurities, I think, that kind of plague us all. And the first one is physical Insecurity. I am going to ask you to raise your hands for this one. If you could change one thing about your appearance, would you do it? Hello, Botox, you know, like <laughs> whatever. If you didn't raise your hand, you were a supermodel. <laughs> and I'm not going to say I don't like you because I do, but but if we could change things because we have these physical insecurities. Growing up, I was the little girl. I was a tomboy. I didn't want to wear makeup. Like I'd, none of that kind of stuff. But I remember going to school, and I was pale-skinned and freckles. And I would go to school, and, and kids are so mean sometimes. But they're so nice, too. But there was some mean kids at my school. And they everywhere I went, they would call me Freckle Face. You know? And, and over time, and even though I was young, over time, I, like, developed this complex. And as I got older, people would be like, hey, Sheila, what time is it? A hair past a freckle? <laughs> I'm like, I haven't heard that one before. That's very funny. But I grow up, I started growing up with this physical insecurity that, man, there was something wrong with me. There was something that was different from everybody else. And then you begin to try to cover everything up or you try to tan your white skin or you try, you know, like whatever there is because there's a physical insecurity that's present in our life. We all have it. We have emotional insecurities, Right. I mean, because there are days where you feel like I have it all together, and then there are your days where you feel like it's all going to fall apart. It's like there are days that you thought, if one more thing happens to me, I'm going to lose my mind. We have emotional insecurity. You know, a couple of years ago, I was going through a really tough season where I felt like my emotions were all over the place was like up and down, and my husband's like, who are you? (laughs) Like to that point where he was like, I really don't know who you are right now. Like my emotions were going all over the place, everywhere, and I remember going to the doctor and they did all of this, this blood work and all of these things, and they diagnosed me with something called Graves' disease. Now, it sounds way worse than it is. Like Graves, Graves it sounds like, oh my gosh, you're dying. But that's not, that's not really what it was. It was actually a hormonal thing. It had to do with your thyroid. And so it made you crazy. All the women with thyroid issues are like, yes, Shayla, I identify with you. Because it just makes you all over crazy, all over the place, emotional, up and down. And I remember going in and, and because TJ was like, what's wrong with you? I had almost had this insecurity of like, oh my gosh, am I going to walk into this place? Am I going to cry or am I going to laugh? Are these people going to think I'm crazy? Like what, what's going on? And there was all of these things just kind of plaguing my mind. And for some people in this room, let me, let me just say that life has dealt you a pretty crappy hand. You've had some circumstances happen to you, and I mean legit, and other people look at you and they just say, well, just get over it. And the reason (laughs) that they can tell you to get over it with a lot of confidence is because they've never had to get over it. They've never had to walk through what you're going through, so you're dealing with some sort of emotional insecurity because people just don't understand where you're at. And there's these highs, and there's these lows, and then there's this last one, and it's spiritual insecurity. And this one's huge, because I would bet that for most of you, you are not the godliest person you know. I mean, do you know somebody godlier than than you? If you're in here thinking, nope, nope, I'm the godliest person I know, well, that's unpride, and that's what got Satan kicked out of heaven and into hell, so we'll have a conversation later. We We can talk about that. But I'm just going to tell you guys, confession time here. Good for the soul, horrible for your reputation. I am not the godliest person I know. A little godlier than TJ, but I am not the godliest person that I know. I mean, it, it's kind of like this. Don't you know that, that, that when, you, when you, how do I say this? Don't you know those people that when you call them, And you ask him to pray and they start praying and you're like, oh dear God, I can never say another word in prayer in my life because I am never going to pray like that person. And and my prayers are like, dear God, I'm just kind of like pulling on my pant leg and I don't really know what to say to you And a, God, God, amen. (laughs) Because we have this spiritual insecurity and don't miss this. If we can establish spiritual security in our relationship with God, then these other three things, or these other two things, they don't go away. They just get a little bit easier to deal with. So I'm gonna talk to you today not about how to be more physically secure, or more emotionally secure, but we're gonna talk about how we can find our identity in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is saying we have to take captive every thought because where does insecurity start? It starts right here. It starts with the thoughts that are in our head. It starts with how we see ourselves. It starts with the things that, that plague our mind and cause us to question who we are. And Paul's saying you have to take captive those thoughts and make it obedient to Christ. You have to begin to capture those things and going, that is not the truth. I need to align the truth of what God says about me. And so if we can get spiritually secure and to begin to take captive those thoughts, it begins to change everything. And I want to talk to you guys about a really kind of odd story for a women's event. But I want to talk to you guys about the story about a guy named Hosea. Now, the name Hosea actually means salvation. And the story takes place in about 750 B.C. There was a northern kingdom of Israel. There was a southern kingdom of Israel. And the northern kingdom of Israel had actually turned their back on God They were no longer interested in God. They were no longer interested in his ways. And then God sent a man named Hosea. In other words, God sent salvation to a group of people that wanted nothing to do with him. So God sends Hosea to this group of people. But God told him something really interesting before he goes on this journey. He says, before you go, I want you to do something. I want you to get married. Like, oh, gosh, that's not going to make it easier, God. Woo! So he says this in Hosea 1, 2 through 3. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So basically he tells Hosea, go marry a prostitute. Like, excuse me, God, is that really you that I hear? I'm not sure. It says, so he marries Gomer. How would you guys like the name Gomer? <laughs> Gomer, I'm not really sure <laughs> I really want that name. But here's an interesting thing. While the name Gomer is weird, the name Gomer actually means completion. So God is bringing together salvation and completion. So interesting. And what, what, it, what is so interesting when he brings these two together is that in this story, he's not only doing it, he's not only presenting this for a nation, but he's presenting it for an individual. And so it says that she conceived and bore him a son. So Gomer actually goes on and has three kids. Two of them are in question on if they're even Hosea's kids. Like he didn't even know, she was running around on him. She stepped back into prostitution. She stepped back into promiscuity. She stepped back into what she used to do. She walked away from salvation. Now, for years inside the church, I've, I've heard this, this book of Hosea preached on, and every time I'm looking at it from the perspective of Hosea, And I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, man, how great is it that God loved the people so much that he would send this guy, even though they didn't even want him, to try to rescue them out of their pain and out of their slavery and they needed salvation. And how amazing is it that God would send Hosea to do this? How awesome that he was able to forgive them for everything that they did because we're going to see later that actually Gomer... Even, even though she hurt him, he goes back to get her. So I was, I've always thought, what an incredible picture of forgiveness and an amazing representation of God's love. But I just want to pause for a second. And this is where God really kind of hit me in a place that I think a lot of us struggle. Because I think a lot of us can actually identify more with Gomer than we do Hosea. Because let me ask you a question. What if we looked at this story through Gomer's eyes? She's really the person that, that fascinates me. And, and, and I, I just started thinking to myself, why would she walk away? Like she, she was stuck in prostitution. She was stuck in all of this craziness in her life. God brings her this incredible man that in, loves her in spite of all of these things. And, and she gets with him and she has kids with him. And it's great, but she goes back. Why? Would she go back? Why would she go back into that lifestyle that God had rescued her from? And here's the thing. I think a lot of times it's really easy to judge people until you walk a mile in their shoes. And I think that there, again, are more of us in this room that can identify with Gomer's story. Listen to this. The Bible goes on in Hosea. And it says, the Lord said to me, this is after Gomer had left. This is after they had kids. It's after he married her. She left and goes back into prostitution. And the Lord says to him, go show your love to your wife again. And though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. I'm like, what is wrong with those? I love raisin toast. Like, what's wrong with the sacred raisin cakes? So I bought her back for 15 shekels of silver, a homo- homer, and a lek of barley. Then I told her, you're to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with another man, and I'll do the same towards you. Basically, he says to Gomer, I want you back. I don't care what you did. So it begs the question again, man, why did Gomer walk away? And I think it comes down to this thing called insecurity because so many of us, when we find our identity in our insecurity, it creates instability in our life. And here's, see, (laughs) that is the first point. But here's how it creates instability. It causes us to question everything. Have you ever been in, in something that is good, but because of your past, you're questioning, man, is, is this really, really going to work out? I don't know. I've messed up too many times in the past. Is this really going to happen? Are they really going to like me? Is my, is my boss going to promote me, or is he just going to see all of the things that are wrong with me? Because insecurity begins to create this instability in our life that dictates So much of our life, and what it does is it robs us of the ability to be fully present in that moment. See, Gomer, I don't think she could be fully present in that relationship with Hosea because she hadn't forgiven herself of the past, and it was robbing her from the present. See, God had brought her something so beautiful and something amazing, but she just couldn't get past her past. And so she's created this instability in her life because she couldn't accept and she couldn't live fully present in that moment because she was constantly looking back to the past. And I think God has given so many of us some incredible blessings in our life right now. But because of our past and because of our previous failures and because of the things that we've done wrong, it's creating this instability in our life because we can't be fully present in this moment wondering and just looking over our shoulder, is that thing going to come back again? And I think what we do so many times is we live our life, instead of being fully present, you think about driving a car. Like, I need to be fully present when driving my car to get me to the destination that I need to go. But if I drove my car looking in the rearview mirror, what is that? It's a recipe for disaster. I'm going to crash. I'm going to burn. It's going to be something that, that causes me harm. But yet, so many of us live our life like that. We, live, we, are, we could be fully present in the moment, but we're constantly having this insecurity that's causing us to look behind our back. Are they going to see this about me? Are they really going to like me? I can't be present in this friendship or this relationship because I see all of the things wrong with me. Do they see that too? And we end up self-sabotaging in those moments but because we can't be fully present because we're always looking back. See, your past always has a way of kind of working its way into your present. In John ten ten, it says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And, and, and I know there's a lot of people out there that says, oh, if you become a Christian, it becomes all about don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't hang out with girls that do. Like all of these rules and religion and all of these things, of these huge lists of don'ts. But the rest of that verse says, I have come to give you life and give it to the full. I have come, I have redeemed your past so that you could live fully present in this moment. Your past is your past. You don't have to look in the rear view mirror anymore. It is the devil that is the accuser of the brethren, the one that reminds us consistently of all of the things that we've done wrong and how we're not good enough and all of those things. It's the enemy that is there to steal, kill, and destroy this moment and your purpose and what God has in your life. But Jesus has come to give us life and to give it to us in the full. We can be fully present in these moments and be rid and overcome our past. See, I think one of the reasons that Gomer walked away from Hosea, that completion walked away from salvation, is because she couldn't quite get over what she used to do. I can imagine her having thoughts like this and the enemy just planting those seeds of, hey, Gomer, he doesn't really love you. The only reason he married you is because God told him to. I mean, Gomer, let's just admit it. He could have done far better than you. Now, if we just think for a minute, I think it was thoughts like that that lured Gomer away from the life that she had with Hosea. And here's what I know, the enemy is constantly trying to rob you of the purpose that's inside of you, of being fully present in these moments of your life. Have you guys ever seen that, what, what's the, the movie where the, the, it's like, hello, Clarice. Um, what? Hi. Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Why are we talking about this in church? I don't know. Anyways, the movie was always so weird to me because this lady, she goes and she sits down and she's talking to a psychopath. I'm like, what are you doing? But can I just tell you guys something? I think there's a lot of you that wake up every single morning and have a conversation with a psychopath. <laughs> because the enemy is right here trying to remind you, no, 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 honey, that's not who you are. Nope, 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 you're going to be single for the rest of your life. You're never going to find somebody to love you like that. You could never have that job. You're just, you're not that smart. You're not good enough. And do you know what we do? We buy in hook, line, and sinker to the conversation with the psychopath and it's robbing us of being fully present. There was a time a couple years ago where I was struggling with with spiritual insecurity. And I remember this this moment where we were having like early morning prayer at the church and I just kept feeling like I need to do more. I need to earn God's love. I need to, to serve more and, and give more and speak more. Whatever he asked me to do, I need to do it. And so I'm, pray- I'm in prayer and just face down before God, like, God, tell me what you need me to do to show you that I love you and that, that I want to serve you and that I want to accomplish the mission that you've placed inside of me. God, God, show me what you want me to do. Just tell me what you want me to do. And I heard this still, small voice, quiet down and say but shayla when were when was the last time you were just my daughter because i had bought into this lie that it was about what i what i did would earn that love when really god was saying your identity is not tied to what you do your identity is tied to who i say you are and i say that you are a daughter, so how do we move from finding our identity and in insecurity to finding our identity in Christ? And the first one is this, you have to recognize that you're unconditionally loved. Yeah. Where's all my parents out there? Hey, you guys should be the most rowdy bunch. You have no kids in here. <laughs> you're like, no, I want it silent. <laughs> but let, let, me, let me just ask you something. You have kids and you love your kids, right? That that wasn't loud enough. <laughs> this isn't this isn't gonna you know help my point. <laughs> now, your kids when when they were born, you fell in love with them immediately, right? When they placed them in your arms, you were like, I love this child. They did not do anything to do. you. Didn't care about all that nasty stuff all over their body. That you were just like, Give me that kid. It's brand new. Like they didn't even wash them, and you were like. Mm. Maybe they looked a little funny at first, but it didn't matter. Like, you loved them. Now, let me ask you a question. Did your kids do anything to deserve your love? Nothing. Your love for your child exploded in your heart the minute that you saw them. They didn't work real hard. It wasn't like they were born and... You were like, well, let's get through kindergarten, and we'll see if you can color in the lines, and then I might call you my daughter. <laughs> or wait, 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 let me see if I approve of your life plan, and then we'll decide if I love you. But Let's be honest, if, if you have a kid in here, your kid spends the first two years of their life trying to get you not to love them. I mean, did your sleep increase or decrease when you had kids? I I know all the new moms out there. I saw you walking around in the lobby, and it's like, (laughs) I'm just thankful I'm here. Anybody had a kid use the bathroom on them? I mean... Okay, when I was a little kid, this is total side note, I don't even know why I'm telling you this. When I was a kid, my dad, he was like throwing me up in the air and like, oh, you're so cute, Shayla. I was the fattest baby. And he's like throwing me up in the air and I had just ate and I threw up and it went right in his mouth. (laughs) We got milkshakes after this if you want. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But listen, when that kid used the bathroom on you or threw up in your mouth, you weren't like, that's it. I'm done with you. No, because you can't stop loving your child because why? That child is yours. That child belongs to you. And the same way you love that child, God loves you so much more. And when we find our identity in the fact that we are loved by God, rather than we have to work for God's love, there's so much freedom on the other side of that. And that's exactly how God feels about us in Romans 8:38. Paul says this, "For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation. Basically, he's saying there is nothing that will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We have to realize that we are unconditionally loved. See, I don't think Gomer could ever accept the fact that she was unconditionally loved and the voices of her past began to rob her of an amazing future. Because she listened to those more than she listened to the fact that you are loved, you are accepted, you are valuable, you are my child. Here's the second thing that we have to do if we're going to find our identity in Christ. We have to realize that we're fully valued. Every single person in this room, God with his own hands, uniquely custom designed you and created you but can I tell you something? That Apart from Christ, you will never know the value that you have. All you will know is the value that the world placed on you and the value that the world places on you is temporary, it is fleeting, it will change its mind on you in a moment and God will never change his mind because you are fully valued. Maybe some of you guys are saying, but Shayla, You don't know what I did you don't know my past you don't know what I've walked through in my life you don't know the horrible things that I've done or that I've endured can I just tell you something God does and he created you anyways knowing that you were going to do what you were gonna do in your life he already went ahead and arranged the price to pay for it and wants you to step into identity with him because that's the good news of the gospel that he knows all of that, but yet he's saying, I love you anyways, and I choose you. And some of you guys today, you've been living in instability of insecurity. And the enemy has been so loud in your ear, reminding of you of your past, and you don't even deserve to sit in this room tonight. You shouldn't be here. You've done all of these things. No, God doesn't love you, but let me tell you something. God's love is unconditional for you, and when he created you, he created you with so much value and purpose that it was not tied to your past. Because number three is this. The last thing that you have to do is receive that you are fully or completely forgiven. Let me just tell you something. When we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And God is a God of restoration, and he wants you to be loved, and he wants you to be forgiven. And you know, the Bible talks about when we ask God for forgiveness, it says when we do that, that he takes that sin, and he throws it as far as the east is from the west, and it says he remembers it no more. So what I always think about when my past is coming up against me and I'm trying to to go to God and be like, God, I'm so sorry and this is happening again, I, I just picture God because of that verse going, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Shayla? I don't remember any of that stuff. Why are you bringing this up to me? Because we have a God that completely forgives us and remembers it no more. So why do we keep bringing it up and walking through it when he's already forgiven us for it? And we are set free and we can walk in that identity, not with insecurity of looking behind our back with confidence to move forward because we have a God that wipes the slate clean. I want to close with this. There's a story about a a teenage boy named Paco. And he and his very, very wealthy father got into a big argument and Paco decided he was going to run away from home. And the father was absolutely crushed that this was happening. And so he begins to go out on this search for Paco, and he's looking everywhere. He's looking high. He's looking low. He's going every single place that he can go. Have you seen my son Paco? This is what he looks. Have you seen my son? And he is going everywhere looking for his son Paco. He searches high and low for five months to no avail. And one day the dad gets desperate, and this is in in Spain, and he goes to the newspaper in Madrid, and he puts out an ad, and the ad just read this, dear Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana, noon on Tuesday, all is forgiven, love, Papa. Papa. The father prayed so hard after he put that in there. God, please find Paco. Please let him show up at this place. And he was just desperate to see his son. Maybe, just maybe, he would be at the Hotel Montana this day. And on Tuesday, the father arrived to Hotel Montana, and he couldn't believe his eyes. There was a squadron of police that had to be called in to keep order because there was 800 Pacos (laughs) that showed up that day that read the ad in the newspaper and hoped it was for them. 800 Pacos came to receive the forgiveness that they desperately needed. Can I just tell you, ladies, something? God has been searching high and low for you. And he wanted to meet you here tonight because he wants you to know that you are completely forgiven because of his great love for you. And it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what time has passed, He desperately wants you to know that you are unconditionally loved, that you are fully valued, and you are completely forgiven. So you guys bow your heads and close your eyes tonight? I know that there's probably some of you in here today. The insecurity has been plaguing your life. And you've been living your life looking in the rearview mirror. And today it's time to accept that you're unconditionally loved, that you're fully valued and that you're completely forgiven, that you don't have to be a slave to your past or to your insecurity, but you can find your identity in a God that loved you so much. That despite all of the sin and all of the shames and all of the mistakes and all of your past, he ran after you. And just like Hosea did, he paid the price to get you back. Because you're worth it. And if you're out there today and you've been struggling with insecurity or And today's the day that you're saying, Shayla, I'm ready to live with my identity in Christ and to acknowledge today that I am loved, I'm valued, and I'm forgiven. And if you want to make a decision today to let go of your past, and to choose to walk forward in freedom with a relationship with God, with a new identity, I would love to be able to pray over you. So on the count of three, I would love for you just to slip up your hand. One, two, three. Yes, I say all over this place. All over this place, there's too many to count right now. But Heavenly Father, God we thank you That you loved us so much that you would pay the ultimate price so that we could walk in freedom. So that we don't have to be a slave to our past. And so that we can be fully present in this moment and confident of who you've made us to be. So Lord, tonight I pray for these women, God, as they surrender their life and their dependence over to you. I pray, God, that you would help them see their true identity of who you've called them to be. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray.